Hello, Church of the Cross, and welcome back to the Ninth Avenue Nine. For those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while, which is what, a year now? That's all I've been doing it for. You know I'm always trying to drum up new guests. Well, there's a couple of ways I plan on doing that. First, I'm going to widen the scope a bit of the podcast, so don't be surprised to hear other people from our deanery or other people who are connected across, but not necessarily current members. Stay tuned. Second, I want to continue to keep you all thinking about other variants on this theme, as well as focus in on one of God's great gifts to us, the arts. So, as usual, I have a guinea pig I can try this out on. So, hello, guinea pig. Identify yourself. Hello, Joel. My name is Christian Ruck. Yes, and what do you do for a living? <laughs> I am the senior pastor, rector of Church of the Cross. So, But the main thing I do is talk with you about music. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's about 50 hours a week of my, <laughs> of my, of yes. my time. Let's not say that yeah. out loud, please. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know what to call this theme, really. I mean, we've had other easy ones, but, you know, Today we're we're gonna what we're doing is we're gonna each introduce the other person to an album or by a band that means a lot to us. So in both cases, the other person uh, is not familiar with this work, so they're kind of hearing it for the first time. So I introduced an album to Christian that uh, is by a band that means a lot to me, uh, but he hadn't heard, and Christian did the same. So. Each of us are going to introduce the album that we're talking about and why the artist means something to us as well as uh, why we chose the particular album. And after the other person has had a chance to weigh in, we can just kind of go with uh, the conversation from there. So, would you, would you by chance have an album that you want to introduce well, me to? Christine? I do. I've already introduced it to you, Joel. When did this happen? <laughs> did, was I supposed to listen you, to this been, before? You've been listening to it. I think was I supposed even, to listen to this before the podcast? You purchased it. You purchased it on vinyl. I did. I did. I was able to find it used for, I think it was only like two or three hundred dollars. Yeah, that's, very that's it's worth that. It's worth that. <laughs> no, no, it was like ten bucks. I just found yeah. a, a used copy of it on vinyl. Um, so let's start with you. So okay. what was the what was the album and the artist and the yeah. album? And just tell me a little bit about because I don't think we even actually talked that much about why this uh, artist means something to you. And yes. your wife actually brought it brought the name of this band she did. on her yeah. podcast that I just recorded. So tell me Yeah, which we should be clear, if you have not yet listened to that podcast, that one is much more helpful than this one, I think. it's Yeah, this one's going to just basically be a waste of time. <laughs> no, <laughs> not no, not a no, waste no, of time. No, 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 no. Better but, to get to know new people. Uh, not that Molly's necessarily new people. But, yeah, but it was uh, great. It yeah, was, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed really enjoyed it. our conversation. I did too. So um, the band is a band called Camper Van Beethoven. And um, I think they would be considered alternative rock. Um, I think uh, started in the '80s, I think, and kind of, kind of obscure. Um, uh, this album, um, which is called "Our Beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart," I believe was their first album on like a major label. So I think they had uh, three or four before this that were mm-hmm. more um, mm-hmm. on independent labels, and so this was kind of their big breakthrough. Not that they ever really broke through um, that much. Uh, but it's probably a little more, this album's probably a little more um, mainstream. I don't know, you know, um, easy to listen to maybe than some of their older stuff. Uh, but uh, fun, kind of a lot of ska kind of sound to them a little bit and uh, yeah. use a lot of violin in their music. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they're perhaps one of their more well-known earlier songs is a song called Take the Skinheads Bowling. 
um, which yes. is a very humorous um, song. So um, I there's a video I found of it on YouTube. Is there? See, I've never seen the video. Yeah. So. Um, and I believe Molly, Spoiler alert, it's set in a bowling alley. Is it? Okay, good. <laughs> I think Molly was yeah. at a wedding reception where that song was played and even some people sort of acted out really? um, skinheads going bowling. So hmm. Not sure that there's any message to it. I think it's just a silly song. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's it. an anti-skinhead song or anything like that. So Yeah. Not that they're pro-skinhead. I hope they're not. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 That's a, another discussion. Yeah. So um, uh, this... What am I talking about this album? <laughs> well, I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, the history for you, your personal history, with and why yes. why was it that yeah. you decided to? Uh, you have we each had one album to pick to yes. give to the other person. Why is it that you wanted me to listen to this? Yes. Album? Well, okay. A um, couple things. One is uh, I kind of listened to it throughout my college years, so mm-hmm. um, I. It came out in 1988, but I don't think I heard it till 89. Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, had it. I'm sure I taped it from him, um, uh, which is what you did in those days. Yeah. And I, I remember him liking it, and, and maybe I listened to one or two songs. So I was like, oh, that's okay. But at some point, you know, my freshman, sophomore year of college, I started listening to it and just, like, suddenly loved it. Yeah. Like, like and listened to it. A lot. Um, Something clicked with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, uh, and so, yeah, again, I kind of think about it. It's like it feels like it was two or three years of, you know, where this was sort of on a regular rotation for me. Um, and so really enjoyed it. And um, uh, actually it was, um, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing to share now, but it was an <laughs> album when I went through a pretty major breakup uh, during college. And uh-huh. I was pretty torn up. Um this album was sort of like my album that I listened to that comforted me when I was very sad after this breakup. So this was years before I met my wife, Molly. Um, so if I'd known that, I, I would not have been as sad about the breakup by yeah. the time I was. And so I find it actually a very hopeful album. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the part of the reason I wanted you to listen to it is because I just am not very well known. They're pretty, you know, and so I thought this is one probably Joel definitely has not heard that I thought you'd enjoy. And yeah. I just I just love it. Um uh, I actually re-listening to it. I thought, oh man, maybe that should have made it into my my nine. I mean, not so, your nine. Yeah, um, I'll definitely be on the next nine. Yeah, so uh, that sounds very cool. Definitely a, a theme of you know times of your life where you just there's that, that's there's a ding, thing for that for me with albums as well. Yeah, where you just you can it's a soundtrack. Yeah, uh, have you ever seen American Graffiti? Yes, George Long Lucas movies. Yes. Yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. he wrote that movie like with songs in mind. Yeah, you know, so that's it's like great. he wrote his screenplay with songs in mind that he knew he wanted. Yeah, and so that's that. There's a there's a truth to that where I think through. I, and when I was talking with you about the the nine that I picked, one of the reasons I picked the Tom Waits album I did is because mm-hmm. I remember listening to it a lot when Stephanie and I were engaged. Yeah, I just that's yeah. just what I remember. So totally. Um, so. With that in mind, I, I guess the other thing I'll ask you is, um, before I start weighing in, uh, were there what are the highlights uh, that you really, really love uh, from the album? Which yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's kind of funny for a, you know, 80s alternative band that, um, again, sort of obscure, that um, there's a mix of songs that, again, are strange, I would say. Uh, um, like I said, they, they um, really... Um, the violin is very predominant in the songs, which I think is probably unusual you know, for bands at that time. My first thing I'll say on that 
uh, this is my first comment, reminded me of the album Desire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the violin carries a lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Similar. Yeah, yep. And, um, but... So the so again, I love a lot of the songs in it, but I think the songs that stick out um, have this sort of hopefulness to them, and um, uh, yeah, I mean the final song is uh, called "Life Is Grand," which they say, um, and life is grand, and we say this at the risk of falling from favor from those of you who would prefer that we say something darker. And so uh, so I think that kind of captures the fact that that's the final song. It's sort of like we actually know that we're supposed to be dark and pessimistic, but we actually think life's pretty good, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, mm-hmm. so I think that's captured another one's. Um, I mentioned the song She Divines Water to You. I mm-hmm. love that song. Um, and, uh, oh, how does this start? I was just listening this morning. How can I say anything in this world is... How can I believe that everything in this world will be fine? Yeah, how can I believe everything in this world will be fine? So it's like they want to believe that life is grand. They want to believe that things are going to be okay. And so it's kind of that wrestling with it. So I think that's why when I um, was going through this breakup and was struggling really with genuine depression, this album was helpful to me because it was kind of like, you know, I want to hope. I want to believe that there's light. Um, I wasn't in a good place in my faith at that time. So unfortunately, I was not seeking the Lord. Um, I wish I had been. I later did. Um, but, you know, in some ways this album was sort of a glimmer of there is hope. And so the song One of These Days is another one where it's it's kind of negative and it's saying, you know, one of these days if you figure it all out, let me know. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be almost kind of hopeful, like maybe you will figure it out. I mean, maybe one of these days we will figure it out. And, and, uh, and even kind of saying, hey, if you're going to try to figure things out, just know I'm waiting right here when you get back, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I will welcome you back. Um, change Your Mind's another song like that, which is basically a breakup song of mm-hmm. I hope you change your mind, and if you do, I'll be here um, when you do. So Yeah, that had a trumpet on it. Yes. It was like... Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting is listening to this for the first time, it's just the... Whenever I listen to albums or, or music, I'm tr- I, one of the things that my mind does right away is tries to categorize, like in my... Not categorize, but like... Where have I heard this before? This reminds me of something. Mm. I do that a lot. I yeah. was like, man, what's the influence here? Yeah. Kind of the yep. thing. Um, do you know anything about uh, the band, where they came from, anything like that? I mean, they're from California. I know that. Yes. Yeah. I, do you I, know I, where in California? I do. I looked up. I looked it up. I mean, they're it's all the from... same. I mean, it is, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, there's not much variety within, <laughs> yeah, within right. California. Yeah, California. It's a small just, state. It's small. It's like Rhode Island. <laughs> um, no, they they're, they were from they were formed in Redlands, which okay. is a town about forty miles, fifty miles from where I grew up. It's actually. Have you ever heard of the Camp Forest Home? No. In Southern California, it's where Billy Graham had a oh like sure a, like a a special moment there. And oh yeah, yeah, where he put his trust in the Bible. exactly yeah yeah exactly. I know that story. So that's yeah. in the mountains, and that's right above Redlands. Oh nice okay. Um and then but they but they were but then they were based in Santa Cruz, which hmm. is up by San Francisco. Okay, very different from Redlands. Redlands is a almost desert, yeah. and then Santa Cruz is a beach town. So they have a song on a newer album called like. Come on up the coast, or mm-hmm. um, anyway, it's a neat song. You know, yeah. Like so, um, so like I said, um, first of all, um, 
you know, I, I, I've got, we've talked a little bit about the albums, the album that I introduced you to. I have a feeling that I liked the album that you introduced me to better than the album no, that I introduced you to. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, really liked it. Um, Worth your 10 bucks. I don't owe you 10 bucks. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, it's, when you're a collector like I am with records, it's like, it's a win-win because <laughs> you, you, know, you, you you have an album, you have something else on your shelf, yes. but then if the music's good, then you're really even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, that's nice. um, I think that, like I said, there was, you know, there there were. Um, I remember the first time I listened to the Avett Brothers, um, which is a band I've covered a lot on the on the podcast. I remember thinking to myself, "What is what is this? This reminds me of something, but I can't quite pinpoint." what it reminds me of. And I think that that might be maybe the best kind of music mm. that you're, you, that there's something. And what it means is, is that it is just not enough like other things that it's original, mm. but it has to come from somewhere. Right. Cause all music Absolutely. comes from somewhere. Every form of music. Yeah. yeah. And so whenever somebody says something is derivative, I'm like, well, yeah, pretty much everything is. Totally. But why is it that this is so with this, I think that's probably the best compliment I can give the album is mm-hmm. that it reminded me of so many different things, yeah. but at the same time, I couldn't think, oh, this is just like yeah. this. Yeah, they have a pretty um, original sound. Yeah. So, so many different things. There was like so many different like sort of streams that seemed to run into mm-hmm. what they were doing. So um, I found like the vocal album right away on the first song, Eye of Fatima. Yes, part one. It so- part one. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like it sounds like Joe Strummer. Sounds like the Clash. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's obviously from America, so, it, yeah. but, I mean, he sounded to me like a cla- the Clash yeah. vocalist. Yeah. Uh, that was the first thing that, that reminded me of. And then, interestingly enough, like with She Divines Water, one of these days, these other songs, um, I'm trying to think of one of the other ones that was like this. Tanya was like this, too. I Tanya's, really liked Tanya. It's a great song. Yes. But yeah, yeah. You have um, a ska sort of thing going yeah. on. Um, and then you also have, like on Devil's Song, uh, kind of a, tw- a birds, like late 60s mm. birds sound. Because you, yeah. you can tell that they're using, probably, I, I didn't look it up, but a 12-string hmm. electric guitar, which is like the defining sound yeah. of the birds. Yeah. Um, and it, it reminded me of that. There was also a, well, I wrote down, I have some notes that I took. Good. On one of these days, I loved that one. That was yeah, like, that's hooked, kind hooked of a me standout. Just like yes. the, the rhythm of it. I loved the bass line on that one. It almost had like a, um, a Waterboys kind of Pogues feel mm-hmm. to me when mm-hmm. I was listening mm-hmm. to it. Uh, and I mentioned already uh, like how much the, the violin reminded me of desire yeah and then she divines water was great i really liked that song I mean, it's a lot. got a little beatles-esque moments in she divines water i mean you got a little bit of the you know uh, production kind of yeah uh i don't know what you call that where are they there's kind of the sound being thrown together anyway sure like they loop, even have looping. a little looping there you go and they even have um a couple little moments of from their earlier songs Sort of looped in at that uh-huh. at the end of it. That's mm-hmm. kind of uh, that's kind of a Beatles thing to do, right? Where you bring in where you reference one of your earlier songs and did they do and that. Yeah, songs. they have yeah. done that. They did it a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different. So they they you probably didn't catch that because you don't know their earlier songs. But that's true. Was, yes. Yeah, I did not. I did not know that they were that they were referencing other songs. Mm-hmm. So, but I also I really loved. Uh, I think Tanya might have been. 
maybe my favorite desire uh, desire my favorite desire I said desire because that yeah. was the album that reminded me of really really cool but but there was a couple of songs that actually reminded me of like when I was in college I did an Israel program mm-hmm. and we did some Hebrew folk dancing yeah yeah so like circles and yes and there were some songs on here that reminded me of that so mm-hmm. Tanya was one of them where and I think the other one was uh, uh, Waka. Yeah, is that an instrumental? Uh, yeah, it's it, it's it it has a fiddle. It sounds and it has that kind of Hebrew folk sound. Yeah. But then there's a couple of songs that the rhythm, the blues sort of rhythm, reminded me. Uh, well, they were just had that blues uh, sort of rhythm to them, mm. and a couple of them I remember it sort of brought up to me the rhythm of the song when the levee breaks, which mm. is a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just that sort of same thing. But I loved. Uh, the Tanya thing, very cool mandolin picking. And just the whole, like I was mentioning, just the whole Hebrew sort of... I, I would be, would not be surprised if one of the people in this band grew up yeah. in a Jewish environment. I wonder, yeah. Um, and, I had, and then I, to, to go again into the, the streams, you know, feeding in, turquoise jewelry, it sounded like um, a novelty jazz yeah, like Cab Cal, you know, like like uh, like you know, like what's not Cab Calloway? It might be Cab Calloway, but somebody like that, where it's yeah. just like there's serious jazz, but then there's kind of like right. you know novelty jazz, and it reminded me of that. And actually, um, yeah, turquoise jewelry would not be one of my favorites. Um, although I mean, it's kind of fun, sort of. It's a deep cut. And yeah. it does, I mean, the sound of the song kind of reminds you of turquoise jewelry. I mm-hmm. feel like it's, they're, they're capturing what they're talking about through the music. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there was a song, Change Your Mind. Ugh. That actually reminded me of, uh, there was like parts of it. I don't know if you remember, there's a song that Paul McCartney wrote called Uncle Albert, Admiral Walsh. You know, I don't know that song. It's funny. I, well, and I, it's I like that trumpet on. has a same sort okay, I'll of listen kind to of it. feel to it. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of. The song is actually every time I hear it, the the, the McCartney song, I, I'm wondering, this is a rock song because huh. it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of nerdy. Yeah. And, but and this this the trumpet in there. Yeah. Just so, sort of reminded me. Yeah. Of that. I mean, change your mind, you can see, because it's a it's a sort of a mournful trumpet a little bit. You can see mm-hmm. how that would yeah. be one I would listen to after breaking up. <laughs> I mean, he says, I put my head down on the table. Rub two coins together in my pocket for good luck. I mean, it's just a very sad song. Uh, but again, like I said, there's this element of, but maybe you'll come back. Change your mind. You can change mm-hmm. your mind, you know. Um, and so. I think at this point I've listened to the album four or five times, maybe six. Mm-hmm. I, was, I listened to it a lot in my basement. And so it would be fun to continue because yeah. I, I really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, And the other one uh, that I thought I, would, I wanted to ask you about, there was a My Path Belated? My... My path. Oh, I don't related. remember that one. It's right after "Change Your Mind." Listen to it again. Okay. It sounds like The Cure. I mean, just the way Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah, the I'm way not, that I'm not recalling it right now. The way that, um, just the rhythm of it and the speed, it just reminded me a lot of a Cure song. So that's what I'm saying. I like. I love hearing a new piece of work where yeah. I can just kind of think about what were these guys listening to, and mm-hmm. it turns out I didn't know this, but the the lead singer of this band went on to. Um, Form a band called Cracker, which yes. was an early '90s. Yeah, they were a little more just kind of rocking rock. and rolling. They and I saw it. them play once in yes. uh, Irvine. Nice. So yeah, it was kind of interesting to see kind of where this ended up yeah. going after that. Yeah, but I really liked it. I really Good. liked the album. 
Um, it's definitely not something that I had heard pretty kind of, I mean, I felt like at once I've heard lots of things like it, but yeah. then at once I've never heard anything like it because yep. that's the beauty of music is you yes. get to hear, you know, yeah. you get to hear, I remember one time hearing us, I re- reading a story. This is going, this is a classical thing, but I remember when, uh, Brahms wrote his first symphony, somebody came to him and said, Oh, this just sounds like Beethoven's ninth symphony, the Ode mm. to Joy. Yeah. And Brahms said, well, of course it does. <laughs> of course it sounds like that. You'd have to be an How idiot not? to not hear that, yeah. does, that I'm not influenced yeah. by Beethoven yes. when I wrote this, yeah. this symphony. So good job. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's great. So, yeah. Yeah, one of their, probably, I think they're probably their most well-known song is actually a cover that was on their next album, um, Pictures of Matchstick Men, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. It's such a fun song. So it's the one song my kids know because I play it all the time. Uh uh, but that was a cover, now I forget the band, but a psychedelic band okay. from, I think, like, the 60s. And so uh-huh. I think psychedelia, psychedelica, yeah. um, anyway, music, psychedelic music, any yeah. influence them as well. You know, so that was another one that comes out more on there. Yeah. Uh, Key Lime Pie is the name of their mm. second studio album. And then, then I think they took a long break after that, and that's when Cracker started. Mm-hmm. And, so. and then Tanya, of course, has the, the name of the album in the song. Yes, it does. So that was kind of cool, too. A like song about Patty Hearst. Okay. You didn't catch that? Uh, like I said, I, I listened to it four or five times and have That's no very idea. important, yeah. Joel. It's all about Patty Hearst. It's all so, about Patty Hearst. Yeah, yeah, and how kind of she captured she was, the nation's imagination. Yeah, I think it's more about like watching about her on the news and how it's kind of like in that, I don't know when that was, but you know how... I think it was the early 70s. Yeah, early 70s, it was sort of like... An, I mean, it wasn't novel. It's a tragic thing, obviously, that happened to her. But but that the way it sort of, you know, the nation was you know kind of obsessed for a season with watching Patty Hearst. So it, yeah. plays, it has some line about you know you kept us entertained you know at those hours five to seven in the evening or something like that. Oh, <laughs> like kind sure. of, so I think it's more about watching that news story on the news. So that's what Tanya is about. Yeah, because that was her name that she was given by the the cult that kidnapped oh. her. That was her like code name was Tanya. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense though. They grew up in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they would that that would be part of their right, right. Yeah, so probably definitely part of their childhood. Right, was, was yeah. that story. Okay. Anything else that you would like to speak about with this fine album? I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I mean, we haven't talked about "I Fatima Part One," which is a great song. The opening the first song. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Strange. It's a strange one. Well, and there's it's a bit of a fever dream song, I would say, <laughs> in the in the lyrics. But uh, I have to say, I think that I was I more really impressed by the sound than the lyrics. Yeah, and not and lyrics to me always come later. I mean, yes, lyrics like there are songs. And I'm sure you've had this experience where there are songs that I'll listen to them for 20 years, and then I'll finally actually the lyrics will sink in. Yes, where you're like, oh wow, this yeah, is, that's right. Oh, these lyrics are amazing. Yeah. Because you just kind of get... Or these them. lyrics are not that great, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't the song's matter, yeah, so good. Yeah, 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 yeah there's Louis, both. Who cares about Louie Louie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think the song is just about a guy named Louie, you know? You think so? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's more of that. The lyricism is I not... I think it's about yeah. the French Revolution, Joel. Probably. But who cares? You can't understand anything they're <laughs> yeah, saying yeah, anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, that, that'll make a good segue to talking about uh, talking about your album. Well, there's interesting... Uh, talking about There's lyrics. several interesting... Uh, Segways. There's lyrics, and then there's also early '70s yes. California, which yes. we were just talking yes. about. Um, and in general, sort of the uh, I think 
Unfortunately, Dennis Wilson ended up getting caught up in some cultish activity yeah, in, in California around the same time that this stuff with Patty Hearst. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's interesting. You're right. So, wow, um, nice connection. Thank you. And so we, we have arrived now at the album that I... Now, interestingly enough about this album, I had never listened to this album before last year. Yeah. This, this, this is the hour, album Sunflower by the Beach Boys. It came out in... I believe 1971. Mm, um, wow. And I grew up pretty obsessed with the Beach Boys. Mm. Uh, Southern California, you know, really, really. Uh, the Beach Boys are a, a, a little rock band. Some of you may have heard of them from Southern California. Uh, a, a band of three brothers, Brian Dennis and Carl Wilson, and then a cousin, Mike Love, and some friends, Al Jardine, and then later on, a, a guy named Bruce Johnson came. I mean, how old were those guys when they started? Really young. Yeah. I mean, well, Brian Wilson, I think, just turned 80. He's still alive. And so what is, So that would have been he was born in, like, 42. So yeah. that means that when they were first coming out in 62, 63, that right. they were 20, 21 yeah. years old. And he was the oldest, yeah. Brian was. Um, so they grew up in Hawthorne, California, which is, like, it's na- the the house that they grew up in. There's a documentary where they show it is actually gone now because there's a, f- a famous freeway that runs mm. right over where the Beach Boys hmm. grew up in hmm. south. It's a suburb south of downtown. So I grew up obsessed with the Beach Boys. One of the first concerts I went to was when I was 12 years old. I saw the Beach Boys in concert at the Universal Amphitheater in Hollywood. Mm. Um, and they were really good. And Brian was actually with them, which was unusual. No, he was. Yeah. Because he didn't tour a lot, right? No, I mean, he, he didn't. And he was, uh, he, he was in pretty decent shape at this one. So Brian was there. Carl was there. Mike Love. So, and then Carl Wilson passed away 20 years ago. So uh, it was, I don't think I realized when I was 12 kind of how wow. I was seeing something pretty cool yeah. to be able to see Brian and Carl and Mike. Performing together. So he stopped touring with them for a while, and then he, he was back? He stopped touring late 60s when they made the album Pet Sounds. Right, that's what I've always heard, 1966. That he, he didn't want to tour anymore. Yeah, he didn't want to tour, and he basically for the next 20 years hardly toured with them at all. Yeah. And then he, in the late 80s, he kind of, he had a therapist who kind of, there's a movie about it called Love and Mercy, yeah. where this therapist kind of, on the one hand, brainwashed him and kind of... Huh. Ruined him, but the other hand, got him in shape, and he was able to start doing uh, music again. There yeah. was this kind of double-edged sword to it. And so that's when I saw him. Wow. It was like in that era where he kind of gotten himself together. Um, but, yeah, he's – so I so I grew up listening to them and mainly grew up focused in on the, the fun beach music. You yeah. know, I get around, um, you know, surfing USA, all yeah. that stuff. And it wasn't until I was older that I started to really listen to Pet Sounds, which mm-hmm. is one of my all-time favorite albums. And we've talked about that one before. And so when it came to which album do I want to introduce you to, you'd already heard Pet Sounds. And I thought, well, I just for Christmas received a box set of two albums from the early 70s that I'd never really heard before. And um, the reason I chose the album I chose, Sunflower, is because it's an interesting album in that it's not... A, a an album like Pet Sounds or Smile or some of his others where it's like a cohesive it's a cohesive statement. It's at this point Brian is not really involved in the songwriting. Right. So basically the other Beach Boys are all writing songs. Yeah. And so it's more of a patchwork mm-hmm. than a cohesive mm-hmm. anything. 
But what was interesting was when I was listening to it, because I've listened to these guys for so long, it was neat to hear their songwriting, yeah. the, the, the other people's songwriting, because right. yes. it's all been Brian. Right. So it's like to hear the, there's a couple songs that Dennis wrote on it that I like a lot. There's a you know there's a couple songs. Mike Love had always been involved in the songwriting. He yeah, was I was more of a, say, you yeah. know you know he was always kind of a lyrics guy. Yeah. He's not really a musician per se. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple songs by Bruce Johnston on it that I like. So it's not what I would call a masterpiece album, but I think that it was a neat thing to kind of hear them maturing in their own ways as songwriters. Mm-hmm. Each of them because they they they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. And I was looking around on, on lists of best albums by the Beach Boys, and this one is actually a lot of critics think it's one of their top five albums. Yep, yep. So it, it I, yeah, yeah. I was listening about Pet Sounds, and they were talking about you know, don't forget some of the great albums that came afterwards, and they mentioned mm-hmm. this one. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a uh, you know, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not. I don't think now several of the songs I had heard many times growing uh-huh. up because there's a couple. There's a song called Forever on it that is one of their one of their classics, honestly. It's one that's been covered a lot, and um, I mean, kind of infamously, John Stamos sang it on Full House. When wow. He, yeah, I mean, so it, it's like, it's actually a See, pretty I don't famous think I'd song. I've heard it before. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a pretty famous song. So mm, It's not so that it, famous. If I haven't heard it, it's not it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I've kind of gone on maybe a little longer than I was expecting, but I'd be very curious to hear what, you th- what, your, what your thoughts were on it. I know oh. you're not a huge Beach Boys fan. Yeah. To start off. Yeah, so I, it was, was kind of medicine. For oh, you. it was. I, I, I. Uh, In the worst sense, not the good sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so my, um, I mean, how do I capture? I mean, I honestly had to wrestle with my, um, my, you know, my. Um, Beach Boy issues. I had to work through them. What are your Beach Boy issues? Well, I just don't... I don't have a natural connection to their music. I, I, I'm being honest here because I don't know why. Because here's what I was thinking about as I was listening to the album. And I, there are some things I like and some things. But I was like, okay, um, a song I wasn't crazy about, I think I told you this, was Add Some Music to Your Day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I found, I found the lyrics a little... Painful. Um, uh, kind of, it's kind of a corny song. Yeah. Okay, but I was thinking about. It, I was like, okay, if let's say I heard the Avett Brothers singing the song, because um, sometimes I, I like the Avett Brothers a lot, but sometimes they can be a little sentimental. Sure. Yeah, their music and almost a little corny. Mm-hmm. Um, Murder in the City, which I love. I mean, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a corny song, but it's a sentimental song. Yeah. I'm like heart on their sleeve. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So I'm like, if the Ava Brothers were singing "Add Some Music to Your Day," would I be like, yeah, a little corny, but kind of cool? Mm-hmm. I think I probably would. Or Bob Dylan was singing "Add Some Music <laughs> to Your Day," I'd be like, you know, Bob, not one of your greater songs, but not bad, you know. So, so I had to acknowledge that I think there's just, and again, I don't know why it's a bias. Maybe you know, when I was in, you know, college listening to Cameron Van Beethoven, I was mean to, you know. People that listen to the Beach Boys, I you know mock them. You beat them I didn't up. really. Yeah. <laughs> I never, I've never beat anybody up in my life. But so um, in the same way, you know, again, I'm like, if I heard the Beach Boys singing "Murder in the City," yeah, I'd probably be like, what a corny song, you yeah. know. So um, so I had to work through my bias. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll admit that it was interesting though when you told me. I think I just listened to it once through when you mentioned that Brian Wilson. I don't. He didn't write any of these songs, right? I think he wrote um, the. 
the second song, This Whole World. Okay. Whole, that which is great. Yeah, that yeah, that sounded more... Okay, that makes sense, actually, because yeah. even the way that one starts, it sounds mm-hmm. very, mm-hmm. you know, again, from what I can tell. Um, so that was helpful, because I, I felt like... Yeah, there, I. it did not feel... It, it felt, I mean, like you said, it, it felt kind of like it didn't all hold together. You know, mm-hmm. there are moments where, I mean, even songs where I'd be like, oh, this song has some great moments to it, but it feels like it doesn't mm-hmm. quite hold together. The first song, Slip On Through, mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, but I feel like it's just getting going. You're like, oh, man, that's a pretty good song, and then it ends. Mm-hmm. It's like only two minutes long. I'm yeah. like, what are you guys doing? Like, you actually had a good song there. So I felt like, man, were they just like, I don't know, you know, kind of, you know, missing something there. Um uh, I shared with you, I did the Deirdre. Yeah. Deirdre I liked. Um, Which is interesting to me because I think that's a really corny sounding song. It is corny. Okay, now this sounds mean. And maybe I'm saying this because add some music to your day mentions about when you're in the dentist office and you hear mm-hmm. music. <laughs> Deirdre sounded to me like a song you'd hear at the dentist yeah. office, you know, especially yeah. maybe like when I was a kid and gone mm-hmm. to the dentist. Mm-hmm. But it's a song you hear in the dentist office and you'd be like, you know what, I feel a little better. I'm about to get a root canal, but hearing this song, <laughs> I, I'm not feeling quite as bad as I did. Yeah, I, I So agree. it's like a good dentist office song. Like This a, is a, uh, it's a very sunny sounding album. It's, yeah, Just exactly it is. It's it it called Sunflower. It is. And so that one I liked. Um, and uh, now this is not a sunny song, Tears in the Morning. Yeah. And again, could be, you could argue kind of a little corny. It's about, mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's about guys whose who's wife has left him. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, um, but yet, like I bought it. Like I'm listening mm-hmm. to it and I'm like, this genuinely sounds like someone who has tears in the morning. Like, mm-hmm. it, it felt very real to me. Um, it actually reminded me, and I, maybe this is obvious because they both have tears, but Tears of Rage, the song by oh, yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah. Is that Levon Helm? Do you, I don't know who sings it. But um, but it reminded yeah. me in that, maybe that's Rick Danko. Anyway, think, yeah, it's one of the others. It's yeah. Because it's, yeah. It reminded me of that song, not just because tears is in the title, but there's, like, genuine sadness in the in the vocal like mm-hmm. it's like man i'm feeling this vocal you mm-hmm. know and that reminds me of tears of rage where it just feels like man there's i'm i'm i am buying into the emotion of this of this song um so those are a couple what are some of your favorite songs well here well, before i go into you know before i go into it i'll i'll i'll, I'll say to you one of the interesting things about what you just said is that both of the both of the the songs that you kind of seem to see or, or you said Deirdre and Tears in the Morning yeah. those are the two songs on the album written by Bruce Johnston well there you go He's my they're man. the same Bruce Johnston songwriter yeah and he was actually a later addition to the group okay. he didn't come on until like Pet Sounds oh interesting so I find that really interesting yeah that, that they did the they did sound less really I mean Deirdre sounds more Beach Boys like Tears in the Morning didn't sound like a typical Beach Boys song yeah well, but I think that at the same time though that's part of what was going on with yeah. the, the group at this time was that you did have you had them maturing as songwriters, mm-hmm. which at the beginning it was just all Brian. Right. He, yeah. he was doing everything. He was obsessive about it. Yeah. He was doing everything. He was arranging everything. He was producing everything. Yeah. And so by the time you get to 1970, and unfortunately Brian Wilson has kind of right. lost his mind a bit. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's, I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but that was yeah. kind of what happened yeah. to him. You have the other members of the group. Um, really starting to flex their muscles a little bit in terms yeah. of really starting to, to... And on this one especially, the, the the revelation to me about this album is how how many songs Dennis Wilson wrote hmm. for this album. Hmm. So Dennis Wilson was their drummer. He was the middle child of the three. 
And he was the biggest troublemaker of the three. Hmm. They're unfortunately that's unusual fa- for a middle child. Yeah, I know. They're supposed <laughs> but, to be. They're supposed well, to be the peacemaker. Yeah, but he was the one. Apparently, his, unfortunately, their father was abusive, mm. physically abusive mm. to the mm. boys. And mm. Brian Wilson's actually he recorded interesting Beach Boys fact. He always recorded in mono mm. because he he was deaf in one ear wow. because of some of the abuse Oof, that he had yeah. as a child. So Dennis apparently was the one who would uh, provoke. The father, the most, and by the time they were they were all singing together, he was the one who didn't want to sing. Mm. He was the the rebellious kid, right? Mm. He was the only surfer in the group. Interesting. That's so interesting. Well, he was the beach boy. He was the guy. Yeah, they're all holding surfboards. I and know. All I know. And then I'm sure they all went into the ocean from time to time. <laughs> but he was the surfer. He interesting. Was, he was that guy. Yeah. So so in this album. What what captured me about listening to this for the first time? First of all, you're coming. I'm coming to this album as somebody who's listened to them forever, mm-hmm. but I've never listened to. And so I found these gems yeah. by Dennis that I mm-hmm. and I had heard forever, which I talked about. But there's yeah. a song, the, the last song, because I have a, a a vinyl copy of it. It's about time. Is I loved that song when I listened to. I could not stop listening to that song. It's kind of kind of a bit of a I wouldn't quite say Latin rhythm, but a little bit like that. Just totally unlike any Beach Boys song I'd ever. Is that heard. the one? Is that the one where it's like kind of ends with like we all have to come together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Carl's got the lo- the the vocal on it. Yeah. So Dennis isn't actually singing on it, mm. but Carl's got the vocal because Carl Carl actually has some of the best vocals in mm. Beach Boys history. Mm. He's the lead on God Only Knows. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's the yeah. lead on yes. Good Vibrations. Yeah. So even though. Brian has a has the falsetto that they're famous for. Yeah, Carl's got some awesome vocal. Right. Moments. Yeah, because I remember hearing how right Brian really wanted him to sing "God Only Knows," mm-hmm. and he was super nervous about it or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. when and when and because Dennis was kind of a weirdo. Sorry to disrespect, but he at this time he was getting involved in he was involved in like with Charles Manson, mm. I think in the early seventies in that cult. Yeah, uh, and so so Carl ended up kind of becoming the guy who sort of ran the band. Yeah. So, uh, but Dennis had had these great. So he's got Forever, which is I think his most famous song, and then um, it's about time, and then that song that uh, Slip On Through is actually a Dennis song as well. The one that is that okay? Yeah, I like that one. There's a rhythm and a, a feel to the songs that he wrote. Yeah. That is not like you think of when you think of the Beach Boys. Right. No, no. So sort of when it starts, you're like, huh, now this is interesting. Then, and then when it gets to this whole world, it's like, okay, now here, now here's the Beach now Boys. Now this sounds like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. a Brian Wilson song. Yeah. I mean, and, and Add Some Music is a Wilson love song. So Wilson and Mike Love wrote that one. Okay. And it, it kind of reminds you of, of some of their schmaltzy earlier yeah, songs. Yeah, they needed to, Mike Love needed to just put his pencil down and, and <laughs> call it a day. But he actually helped write, uh, Good vibrations. You know, there's well, a few of their songs that he's, but yeah, he's yeah. he's more of um of a showman, you know, yeah. front man. He's not like the, and you know, that's that's a, a whole other uh, Beach Boys <laughs> conversation because I mean, there was a point where he sued Brian Wilson I over that. the songwriting rights because he was saying that he had yeah. written so many more songs and he won. He won huh. a ton of royalties huh. for the, a lot of the songs. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say. The and then um, now it's interesting, Joel, that you because it's about time. I just didn't click with that one, so that's oh, interesting. I loved yeah. It. yeah, yeah, I. It felt to me, 
Like they were kind of trying too hard on that song, you know. So maybe I need to give it another chance. But it felt me because I even the you know we all let's all come together. I'm like, yeah, you guys just be the Beach Boys, man. Try to you're trying too hard to be somebody you're if not. If you think that one is trying too hard, I should play you a song from the other album that about this box that I got it was called Surfs Up. Okay. If you think add some music is Mike Love annoying. <laughs> There's a song on there called Student Demonstration Time. Oh, there you which go. Which is about, you know, yeah. the, you know, right. student demonstrations yeah. in the late I mean, 60s. Maybe, maybe that's unfair of me to be like, like, stay in your lane, Beach Boys. I mean, they can do whatever they want. But, but that song, again, I didn't say, I'll, I'll listen to it again because it, it, it wasn't terrible. But I just felt like, yeah, it felt to me like, all right, this is going to be our kind of, you know, 60s, well, I guess it's 70s, you know, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, um, politically aware song. and. Oh. But, yeah, so, I mean... So it sounds like uh, Deirdre, Tears in the Morning, those of you taking notes at home, slip, of course, who are slip getting on ready to listen to right Oh, yeah. Now. Slip on through, I liked, but, yeah. I, but, it, but it disappointed me because it ended too soon. It, you know, it, it's funny because they they continued, for the most part, except like Good Vibrations, if you listen to Pet Sounds, which it's is short. their masterpiece. Yeah. It's like the songs are all minutes. two or three minutes. Yeah, no, that's true. So I think they kind of stayed in that. That's kind of their deal. The Beatles and the Beach Boys, uh, the Beach Boys, the Beatles and Bob Dylan are doing you know ten minute singles right. at yeah. this point. <laughs> that is so interesting. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and the Beach Boys, just, yeah. and a lot of album rock in general. Yeah, was just long. I mean, and the whole album's let is only like a half an hour. This yeah, it's, it's, yeah, which it's I, I know album. is kind of a Beach Boys thing. So, but um, I do think you still have the the heavy production. Yeah, um, and you could tell that a few of them. Brian still found his way to the studio to, you know, totally to produce. And that was interesting because I actually went back and listened to some, you know, of um, Pet Sounds again, which, again, I have sort of mixed feelings about. But I have to say, listening to this and going back and listening to Pet Sounds, it kind of caught for me more like, wow, not just, I mean, obviously Pet Sounds influenced this, but how much Pet Sounds influenced so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, sure. speaking of, you know, derivative, it's like, again, I'm not a, I just don't connect as much with the Beach Boys, but you do listen to Pet Sounds and you're like, Wow, this really did influence so much mm-hmm. music, you know. So you gotta, you gotta respect that. I bet even I bet Kim Van Beethoven was, was had some influence that they received from Pet Sounds. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I go back to the liner notes. It'll probably say our special thanks to the Beach Boys. <laughs> it probably is in there somewhere. Number one, right? <laughs> well, let me ask you one of the because I because one of the things I really want to do with anyone who's listening is just talk art to talk about why we love what we love, right? Yes. I think that for me, you know, the interesting thing of talking with you, because we've we've talked about the Beach Boys before, and you've mercilessly mocked me about <laughs> it in the past, and I've tried they, they to, I've tried easy to, mock, to aren't show. They? Well, of course, they yeah, are. yeah, yeah. I've tried to show, and there was actually a funny moment where uh, a few, a couple years ago, I think it was two years ago, you and Cyrus and Jack and I went to a show at Treasure Island. Yes. It was uh, Ava Brothers and Trampled by Turtles. Yeah. And there was this hilarious moment where they had this big screen up and they were advertising shows that were coming. Yes. And they say, the Beach Boys coming to Treasure Island. And it was just pictures of Mike Love. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Because he's all that's left he's now. It, and it's yeah. like, that's the Beach Boys. It's like, it's super funny. Yeah. But I wonder about, like, listening to Camper Van Beethoven, this mm. kind of brings it full circle, right? I remember one time uh, an uncle of mine said, he grew up in the early 70s, you know, a teenager in the 70s, he said, Bernie Taupin and Elton John are the greatest songwriters ever. Hmm. No questions asked. Yeah. Oh, gee, what? How old were you when? Oh, I was in, you know, high school. Yep. Right? Totally. So, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I would come back with lots of songwriters that I think are 
you know, now don't get me wrong, you know, Elton John and Bernie Taupin are amazing Some really good songs. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you grew up, you know, listening to alternative music. Yeah. That was your thing. Yes. Was there, do you find something sort of just off-putting about, because this is pop. Right. It is pop music. I, oh, I remember what I was going to say. There was a, there was a question, there was a, a documentary that I saw once about Brian Wilson. And they were talking about how artists, the best artists, they always, you know, usually speak the language of their time. Mm-hmm. And they were referencing the fact that Brian Wilson, his language was pop music. Mm-hmm. This is pop music. Yeah. It's not edgy. Right. It's just not the way it is. Yeah. I mean, is, yeah, is, maybe is that that's some of it. Maybe yeah, it's, it? a, it's a great question because yeah, I've heard that as well. It's like kind of junior high, high school, college. Those are the that's the time where like something about your brain, you know, uh-huh. that it's that becomes the music that defines you. Um, it does seem like that's often the case. Yeah, because because uh, I even you know I'll hear some like you know my. Um, uh, my son Cyrus, but even like my nephews, like they'll play some stuff that they like. I'm just like, man, it just, I don't know. I just don't connect just, with just it at all. It's not like Camper Van Beethoven. Right. You know, and so I, I think it's, it's not my the bias. Repla- it's not the replacements. It's not the replacements. And By the way, Camper Van Beethoven did remind me a lot of the replacements as well. Yeah. That was another one that I really thought about. Yeah. Cause especially because the replacements have that punk, but also almost like a... A stream of alt country to them. Yeah. If you listen, you know, to them, and so it's yeah, like and they really like it. a certain turn of phrase. I mean, Paul Westerberg, I think, is just a great songwriter. But I feel like Kim Van Beethoven is a similar thing where they're looking for interesting lines and interesting ways of saying things. And but you can't get much more sent. You were talking about sentimentality. Anyway, sentimental. Uh, the Skyway is a sentimental. Oh, song. totally. Oh, exactly. So if you want to talk about here, com- here comes a regular. You know that oh, song. I That's... don't know that one, but no. Skyway. I listened to Skyway once. I, I was listening to the, the Current, and they played. You know, they they the DJ was really good at. It. He said this song can only be written in Minneapolis. Yeah. and I and I'd never heard the song before. Right. I was like, this is gorgeous. I yeah. love it. Well, I love that song growing up in Indiana, yeah. and then I didn't know what the Skyway was. I didn't know what you were singing about. And then I, you know, came here. You know, when I met Molly, I was like, oh, this is the Skyway. And now I get it. So, um, uh, yeah. So I I think your question's a good one, and and uh, yeah, I, I I think you're right. You know, because again, I like. I found at certain times, you know, that there's pop music that I had sort of rejected that now I listen to. I'm like, you know, this is a really good song. I mean, like that song Deidre, which Mm -hmm. is not as good as like Good Vibrations or, you know, God Only Knows. But it's kind of like, you know what? This is really a sunny, Mm -hmm. fun song. You got to appreciate it for what it is, you know. Um, uh, Whereas, you know, um, so it may not be necessarily my style, but I think, you know, now I can at least say, I can recognize, you know, um, what an accomplishment it is. But there is something to you're just your heart. Think about these songs on this album and compare it to like Kokomo, which is a a Beach Boys song that came out like 20 years later. Right. That's just pop fluff. I mean, it's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. I I, I liked it. It was came out when I was in junior high and I liked it. And plus, I love the Beach Boys. I'm like, wow, a new Beach Boys song. Right. Yeah. But it's like you look at the listen to the songs on this album. There's some actual songwriting. Yeah, some real interesting stuff going on where they're really trying to find their way as songwriters yeah so that's yeah. what that's what i loved about it and i don't know if you have a a parallel where you could think of a, a time when you're like this was a, a total discovery for me mm-hmm. i'd never listened to the album but i'd listened to the beach boys all my life so i was like yeah. oh wow there were albums where carl and dennis yeah and al and bruce all did their own music it wasn't all just brian yeah and so that's why it was so refreshing for yeah. me to hear yeah yeah for the first yeah yeah yeah, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, and I I will continue to listen to Camper Van Beethoven. 
I appreciate it because I really did. I like. I really liked it. So yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, it's one of those albums. It's, it's you know why why we want to be you know evangelists for certain types of music. I don't know, but it's one of those where I'm like, I want more people to know sure. what a great album this is. Well, and why I, I care so much? I mean, is a one is a element of my personality on this too is I. I think that if I don't like something, this is just me. This is how I am. Whether it's food or music, I think there's something that I'm missing. Hmm. That's how I... So if I hear something, I'm like, I don't care for that. Yeah. So I almost like everything. I'm like undiscerning. You are very generous in your your love for things. And that's just how I am, though. I like... I just, I like to find what I like about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are kinds yeah. of music. There's really not any kind of music. I, I will say I've never been a death metal person, the screaming. Yeah, that's yeah, I've hard. Never, I've yeah. never really been into that. But for the most part, I really just, I, the way I approach music is, what is this person bringing? I mean, when you had the asps on, you were, you were sympathetic to fish. And, I mean, not yeah. many people are sympathetic to fish. So, I mean, that just showed <laughs> the generosity. Except fish fans who are more than sympathetic. No, I actually kind of like fish. I, I listened to a couple songs. I'm like, they're pretty good. Yeah. So, they, they're somebody I think a group people like to make fun of. So, But I think that because music ends up being something to me that is, like, such a great gift of God, I think I just, I just tend towards... Just being kind of a sucker. Yeah. When it comes to music, I was like, I want to, you know. So that's how I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of songs I could think of that I'm sure you don't like. I'm sure we could think of some, but that's that's a negative thing. So I should. <laughs> well, if you have an album that you would like to discuss with me in depth, or any piece of work or art that you would love to discuss with me, I would love to have you on the show again. There will be some more guests coming up. I actually have discu- had some some discussions with a couple of the other rectors in Minnesota about talking, and I really would love to continue to have this be a place where people can come and talk about art that they love. So, Christian, thank you so much hey, anytime, for man. introducing me to Camper Van yes. Beethoven, and I'm sorry for introducing you no, to Sunflower. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I listened to it four or five times, and yeah. it grew on me. It definitely grew yeah, on me. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, Christian. And yeah. To any of you out there, email me, joel at ofthecross.org, if you'd like to be on the show, and the peace of the Lord be with you.